0: And welcome to Outside World Occultism, the Toho podcast with the greatest amount of unnecessary tangents. Here today with me are Katya, Hi. F, Hi. and Lavander. Hi. Unfortunately, JT is currently fighting a Don Maku battle against the terrifying yokai known as the Common Cold. <laughs>
1: Let's hope they feel better soon.
0: So today is another Unsealing Club episode. Is everybody excited to talk about gay girls? Yes. 100%. Hell yeah. Since we ended up last time not exactly giving a lot of love to the last three albums that we talked about, we figured that today we'd just go over the CDs from Neo Traditionalism to Daedalus Bar, Old Adam to start. They're all such great albums, too.
2: Yeah. Last time we were kind of pressed for time, so we just went. And then the last albums kind of hold the same pattern as if they were somehow less interesting, but...
0: They are, in fact, more interesting in my personal onion. Yeah, I think these three are definitely, like, the most
1: interesting ones, actually. Yeah. They talk so much about not only the world that the girls live in, but also, like, they do a whole bunch of world building, not just for the outside world, but for Gensokyo, and just sort of the universe that these stories take place in, and just kind of, like, how everything works.
0: Yeah, Dr. Latency's free Report in particular does so much world building, while not explicitly saying that it's world building. Yeah.
2: Yeah, basically.
1: You should probably start with Traditionalism, though. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: I have a soft spot for Dr. Latency, but that. Cannot allow us to skip over the Reiko and Mary go on temple date one.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean traditionalism has the, in my opinion, my least favorite title to say out loud. But
1: it is quite a mouthful.
2: Also, I think. One of the hardest to actually understand stories, yeah. kind of. Mostly because there's a lot of terms being thrown around and it's not always really clear how they relate and how they're relevant.
1: Yeah, I have to be honest, I did not do any research on a single god mentioned in <laughs> neo-traditionalism of Japan, even though I probably should have.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess there's probably some really deep symbolism we're gonna miss, but in the end they're mostly relevant, like, in their role as Ancient Gods TM. <laughs>
1: So in neo-traditionalism of Japan, this takes place right after Mary is let out of the sanatorium that she was quarantined in. Because the future
0: has great healthcare, guys.
1: Mm. Yeah, and there's a line at the beginning that talks about due to extreme environmentalism, cities have been decorated to look like forests. Yeah. Yeah. And it says like a painted jungle, there's no natural vegetation. The thing that I'm wondering is if this means that there is no like living plants and it's all just like paint and decorations to appear
0: plant-like.
2: I think the Japanese kind of implies that, that they're literally just pictures.
0: Yeah, I would imagine that that's how it is within cities I think there's probably some plant life outside of cities, but it's not the variety that we have nowadays thanks to, well, climate change.
2: Yeah, I don't think the world has gone like full of Mad Max yeah. or anything.
0: Yeah, there's definitely like some vegetation and stuff. There's probably like grass. Mosses, lichens. Some trees.
2: Yeah. I mean, I guess some of the painted forests, so to speak, could be some of those screens that they saw on the train, mm-hmm. for instance. I mean, still fake, but not just paintings. Yeah,
0: yeah, we do know that Aoki Gahara is still there thanks to Maribel's reaction to it. So we have one forest that still exists. Yeah.
2: Yeah, though, I mean, I guess the aura of it could persist even if the actual forest disappeared.
0: I don't think that it would be very
1: easy to get rid of it, though. Even in the case that somehow all of the trees in Kigahara were, like, chopped down or whatever, I think due to this, like, yeah. like, environmentalist movement or, like, like on top of, like, the whole thing from retrospective with, like, the everything being, like, a hyper-real facsimile of itself, there would definitely still be, like, trees and stuff there.
2: I don't want this to turn into too much of me just, like, nitpicking the translation or anything, but...
1: I think you should.
2: In this case, for example, the extreme environmentalism is more specifically environmentalism gone too far Mm -hmm. is in the Japanese. So, I mean, there's the strong implication that the, like, it's, like, misguided and stupid and silly, so it might not actually resemble, resemble what we think of as environmentalism it might be just maybe environmentalism in this world was more interested in aesthetics or something
0: no I think that definitely holds up yeah that does hold up but I would think that maybe it's just that cities are too crowded for them to really put natural vegetation and stuff in them
2: yeah that too
0: because i know there's some american cities that are like that even though most american cities have some trees left but there's some that are literally just no trees at all maybe you'll have a strip of grass or something this phrase really reminded me of just walking down the street and seeing nothing but concrete on both (laughs) sides with murals on it
2: yeah yeah that's definitely an element but i still think it's interesting that it's soon right that because of environmentalism
0: i think might perhaps be because environmentalism tends to value those things that are noticed the most, at least in the current iteration of it. Charismatic megafauna and all that.
1: Yeah, I definitely think that this is meant to be like a statement about the world that they live in, sort of having this idea of environmentalism that doesn't necessarily actually accomplish much for the environment and just sort of is mainly there just for the benefit of, you know, oh, look at us, we're so green. Starbucks
2: straws and all that. Yeah, Or it could be like the city designers trying to uh, make some small meaningless changes to appease the environmentalists. Mm -hmm.
0: Or it could just be, honestly, hiding the fact that there's been so much trouble because, well, it would be a horrible problem if extreme environmentalists realized that we actually destroyed literally everything in the environment except for a few areas. Yeah.
1: (laughs) I think, yeah, we spent quite a lot of time focused on, like, the very first two sentences of this paragraph, but there's a whole ton of stuff just kind of... um,
2: (laughs) (laughs) I think it's a good start.
1: In this paragraph specifically that, like, builds off of that and implies a lot more about the world, it talks about how humanity tried to sort of create and bend nature to their will, but anything that they couldn't, like, really control... Or, like, exert influence on was just completely ignored and neglected and tossed by the wayside.
0: Because there has been population decline, so it's not as easy to control all of nature as it is nowadays.
1: Yeah, and this sort of builds into the healthcare system where like most diseases have cures for them and like stuff that couldn't really be cured was just kind of considered quote-unquote non-existent so basically they just kind of if you don't have like a curable disease in this world they just kind of hang you out to dry eventually you'll stop existing and then it's nobody's problem Mm
2: -hmm. Mm -hmm. i think that part in the text is actually kind of i mean it's obviously more in line with the rest of the like kind of dystopian image to take it that way but I thought it was one of the parts where like the development of science in this world isn't actually totally black and white like I thought that line actually meant that since it said that society has changed to accommodate them I mean I thought that that part was actually one of the few positive things in this future that
0: yeah that's one of the positive things in the future too And that's talking about not, like, incurable diseases, but sort of hereditary conditions, so I imagine...
2: Well, yeah, fair
0: a connective tissue disorder, for example, would be accommodated for rather than just, okay, you get a mobility aid and you just have to deal with the way that society set up. Yeah, it's kind of interesting that,
1: like, even though people with incurable diseases are kind of thrown to the wayside, like, there's no eugenics. They don't dispose of people with developmental disorders or anything like that. At least that's what this line
0: Only really says incurable hereditary conditions, though. There might have been found genetic cures in heavy air quotes here for right developmental disorders and things
1: yeah okay actually makes a lot more sense so there is definitely eugenics in this world which you know scans
2: yeah it matches with the idea of science in this world that we discussed last time on unsealing club that they've made huge progress but the margins they've decided don't matter So they probably, for the most part, the situation has improved and medicine is much better. But in the like fringe cases, they've just decided to give up.
0: Yeah, it's just like, if I can't understand it, it can't exist, basically.
1: So, Mary was one such fringe case, and they didn't really get what was going on with her. She had a fever from getting attacked by a monster, and was seeing visions of other worlds, and that's sort of normal for her, but... Except for the fever. Yeah, the fever was not good. So, she was just kind of quarantined until they were like, okay, you're fine now, because she stopped talking about it, I assume. (laughs) And so they let her out. And that's kind of how this one is introduced.
2: Yeah, the first paragraph.
1: (laughs) Yeah, the rest of the story takes place as like... They go on a visit to a shrine to see Japan's oldest Buddha statue. To a temple, actually. Oh yeah, it is a temple.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think it's in central Nagano.
1: Zenkoji? Yeah. That's the
0: prefecture that Zun is from, right? That's where Zun lives, yes.
2: It's the prefecture and the capital of it.
0: I don't think Zenkoji is in Nagano, the city, is it? I don't have eyes or understanding of anything that ever happened, so. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, it says that, I mean, I'm literally Googling it, so I'm not an expert on this, but yeah, it says that it's like in downtown Nagano.
0: So he's probably been there then. Oh, yeah, he has been there. It's in the afterward.
2: <laughs> <laughs> mystery solved.
0: Only the <laughs> Unsealed. We have unsealed this mystery. <laughs> uh, only
1: the greatest occult detectives on this podcast. Uh, <laughs> <coughs> um, <laughs> So yeah, they're they're visiting this temple, looking at a cool statue. Ren- Renko speculates that Mary's powers are somehow linked to or enhanced by places like shrines and
0: temples. Which is probably true, considering that a lot of them are liminal spaces between the world of gods and the world of humans. Yeah, and so they see this
1: pillar that was supposedly twisted by a powerful earthquake, and they kind of speculate about that and talk about it, and whether that's actually true or not. And then the narrator tells us that Mary has seen like a powerful earthquake that could very much have torn a pillar like that to that shape. And so, Mary spends a lot of time in this one just thinking about her experiences in other worlds, kind of drifting off, basically. Which is going to continue happening. And so... As she's kind of thinking about the places she's been, the story tells us that Mary's powers have gotten a lot stronger. She can just like go to other places now without having to be asleep, like she doesn't just see places in her dreams anymore and she, like, actually goes to other places.
0: When she's in her waking body.
1: She's a little bit anxious about that.
0: Yeah. Apparently society is too, considering that the real reason she was put in the sanatorium was probably because it was determined she had some kind of psychological anomaly, according to the CD.
1: Yeah. <laughs> they, they thought that she was strange and not well, mentally speaking, and so they just kind of locked her up until she was fine, which is...
0: Well, she's fine in that sense. I have imagine she's pretty anxious yeah she is very much anxious about her
1: power and she's kind of talking about it to Renko and she's like maybe I feel too fine like I'm able to see more than I should and Renko's like like what and she's like like hell (laughs) that's which is pretty heavy
2: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah. that's a great line, yeah, to be honest. Yeah,
1: fine. Everything's fine. I'm just seeing hell, probably, maybe. She thinks that <laughs> she's kind of got this idle thought that if hell exists, then she's definitely going to, like, turn up there sometime. And she's just trying to cope with that.
0: Yeah, man, that's kind of a feeling to have.
1: Yeah, and the <laughs> thing that she's thinking about... Specifically, they kind of talk about like the metaphysical realities of the way that hell and paradise and stuff are described in ancient stories and so on. Just kind of talking about like how ridiculous the units of measurement are and all that. Mary does not tell Renko this, but when she was in the sanatorium, she went to a very strange world that was super far beneath the surface and deep inside the earth. This is what she thinks is hell.
0: Well, it looks hellish to her.
1: Yeah, they were talking about how far underground hell was be and so on yeah it's a very hellish place like filled with the smell of death and she found a cool rock there
0: and she thinks that they're going to send her to hell because she found a cool rock there
1: <laughs> yeah and the cool <laughs> rock kind of shows her visions of other places in a sort of like rapid fire sequence she's wondering if maybe there's some kind of weird connection And she's wondering if there's some secret deep underground, which seems like there might be. She asks Renko if there's something on the news, like if anything happened while she was in the sanatorium. And Renko's like, oh yeah, they found some old rock that they thought was part of the Izanagi plate, which is a tectonic plate that formed Japan, like, 25 million years ago. Uh, Well, long before that, actually, but 25 million years ago is when it was subducted and disappeared and vanished forever. So they found this supposed piece of some, I think it was, like, methane hydrate drilling site. Yeah, people who were drilling for methane hydrate, whatever that is. I think that's hydrazine? Yes, I think so. Which is, like, rocket fuel. No, no, it isn't. That's just, like, natural gas. Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. (laughs) (laughs) uh,
0: (laughs) You're the chemist. I mean, you can use it for rocket fuel if you really try.
2: (laughs) Unsealed.
0: Yeah. Okay, so it's not hydrazine.
1: The chemist on the podcast should have known that and told me.
0: No, I shouldn't have. (laughs) I was looking it up. I'm a good chemist. (laughs) I use the best textbook, Google.
1: (laughs) But yeah, so they claimed to find a piece of the Izanagi plate, and it turned out it was shaped by human hands, quote-unquote, and so everyone stopped caring. But Mary's not so sure that it's fake, and because it was shaped by human hands, she's kind of getting excited about the fact that
0: she has the real one.
1: Yeah, she's certain that it's real and that it was actually made. The reason it's called the Izanagi plate is because it was supposedly made by Izanagi, who created Japan.
0: And then he went to live in Yomi. Yeah. I mean, there's a long story there, but...
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so Mary's kind of off in her own little world, like, very excited about the fact that the object is real. And she's thinking about Izanagi. Like, she thinks that this is confirmation that Izanagi was real and built.
2: Izanagi, Izanagi
1: real. She's like very excited and thinking that points to the fact that Izanagi actually <laughs> built Japan with his hands.
0: And that makes Renko feel really lonely. Yeah, there's a
1: line that like, Mary's off by herself, just like thinking about stuff, and Renko's lonely.
0: Renko couldn't help thinking that Mary was <laughs> on the same level as the yokai they'd encountered in their strange world. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> real there, funny. There's another line here.
1: It's like in each CD, basically, there's like at least one moment where Renko starts think, sort of thinking about Mary's abilities and powers and like what she's experiencing, and it's just sort of like either in awe or reverence or maybe even like a little bit afraid, but not in a way that she would want to stop hanging out of her,
0: just afraid in a gay way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know I have a lot of feelings about neo-traditionalism of Japan
1: yeah <laughs> Mary reveals the rock and sort of talks to her about it and she's like it's an izanogi object like I can see different worlds through it and she shows them to Renko and Renko's a little bit jealous uh Mary's powers have gotten stronger
0: Mary is busy feeling great about it though <laughs> She's just like, wow! I wasn't going to hell.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Mary is very relieved because Renka recognizes the places that are being shown to her through this rock. So they determine that the place that Mary went to was not hell, but an archaeological slice of Japan from the age of like myth and gods and legends. So like like long, long, long ago, like long before there was any kind of recorded history or anything like that.
2: Yeah, and I think it's also. Worth noting that since they compared it to, I think they say that it looks like Yomotsu no Hirasaka or something.
0: Yeah, they. Yomotsu Hirasaka.
2: The point is that Yomi is actually the like Shinto mythology version of like the afterlife, which isn't really hell per se. It was a more neutral like.
0: It was just a dark cave that you went to when you died. <laughs> it's the underworld of Greek mythology in similarity, basically.
2: Just like dull, but the same for everyone and not really made as a punishment or anything.
1: It was just a dark cave that you went to when you died. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's funny how many cultures have this concept of just like when you die, you go into a dark hole in the ground.
0: (laughs) Um, Comfortable hole, bye. Yeah. Yeah.
2: (laughs) 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 But I mean, people like pretty early developed the idea of burying the dead. So from there, it's like a reasonable metaphor.
1: So, neo traditionalism of Japan has this line even as science advances, the power of imagination does not grow any less important. Like, this is maybe honestly like the thesis of Toho in general, but also it's definitely the thesis of
0: the Ceiling Club.
1: Yeah, the Ceiling Club, the Hifu CDs, the thesis of Maribel's entire existence, basically. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. I was thinking that the skepticism that dominates science in Maribel Renko's future is kind of the next step of the skepticism that eliminated yokai. Yeah, definitely. Like, yokai used to be taken as fact and now they were replaced by science and then science developed to the point that it decided that it was the only thing that was allowed to exist and anything it couldn't explain was just ignored.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and so in that sense, people who are aberrant or strange strange or not in line with what this dystopian world kind of expects end up also being passed into fantasy uh so to say in a much more like material way than yokai but still like stemming from the same attitudes yeah
2: there's some parts obviously that if you take them out of context don't make so much sense as a metaphor like mary being considered out of her mind for claiming that she's seen other worlds and been to a space station wouldn't wouldn't be unrealistic. <laughs> Yeah. It's the treatment that follows. That's yeah. the mm-hmm. issue, obviously.
1: She's just kind of quarantined and kept sequestered from society. She's quarantined in airport. Yeah. You mentioned the title of this album at the beginning, I love. It is quite a mouthful. Yeah. Like, it's a huge pain to say and type. It doesn't really acronym nicely. The Dodge. <laughs> yeah. I do like the name, though, because I think it's... It really fits with the themes. Yeah. The neo traditionalism, in this case, is sort of Renko and Mary's renewed faith in like the legends and myths from the age of gods, they basically see an entirely different Japan from most people in their society.
2: Yeah. I will make the side note that when I first heard the term Isanagi plate, I thought it was little yeah, plate. Yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> Just Isanagi eats his food off of it. Yeah. He's mad at Mary and he's going to send her to Yomi because she stole his plate and now he can't eat. <laughs> she had one plate. <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um so, <laughs> <laughs> next album yeah mm-hmm.
0: yeah
2: yeah please
0: dr lincoln's a street report i really love this one
2: yeah they're rather and changey
0: rinko and mary publish a dojin. that's what it's called
1: Yep, it's literally a doujin. They take their experiences and write about uh, in a book. Mary says that she wants to make a physical book together. How cute. Doing arts and crafts with your girlfriend. The book is called Swallowstone Naturalis Historia. So not actually called Dr. Latency's Freak Report. They use the pseudonym Dr. Latency for Mary, which Renko came up with, which is also cute. This album mostly just talks about the process of writing this book. They kind of speculate about the nature of the worlds that mary has been to and how they work from a physics-based perspective which funnily enough i think mary is the one who sort of talks about it from that perspective
0: yeah Mm. i think that honestly she doesn't really seem like she knows what she's talking about in here
1: oh yeah she's definitely speculating wildly
0: to host speculation and then the last one was about hell (laughs) (laughs) Mm. yes Mary is stuck into a
1: speculation hell, and they're talking about, like, what if these worlds sort of operate on elemental particle physics, basically? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's
2: not exactly an easy story to understand either because there's all these levels of physics metaphor.
1: Yeah, this one's quite <laughs> heavy with physics talk. Mary's talking about how maybe, like, different worlds have different physical properties and stuff from outside those worlds is considered aberrant, which is why she gets attacked by yokai so much. Mm.
0: I think that she's just trying to desperately grasp straws here without understanding how Genzokyo as place works, which is actually pretty funny. (laughs) Yeah,
1: I really like this one just because they are really just grasping at straws. and
0: Yeah, it shows that they aren't like infallible occult theorists Yeah, I also like that they're not simply willing to
1: accept the fact that, oh, like, a wizard did it, even though, in the case of Gensokyo, a wizard did, in fact, actually do it.
0: (laughs) Well, it's not necessarily a wizard did it, it's more...
2: A lot of wizards. Yeah, a minimum of three.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But it's more along the lines of, you're not following the rules, therefore you're getting kicked out. Yeah. Whereas Mirabel just doesn't realize that the rules exist. So she's just like, okay, what rules could be in place to have me get attacked so much? And she doesn't realize that, oh, it's just the fact that you don't actually provide any particular amount of belief, therefore you're fine to eat.
1: Yeah, Yeah. also some more extremely gay moments from Renko. To Renko Usami, Mary appeared to be a scholar of truth who would open the eyes of all the delusion-spouting physicists.
0: She really does start putting Mary on a pedestal now, doesn't she? Yeah, by this point she's quite spellbound by her.
1: This girl is gay. This girl (laughs) is a lesbian.
2: Uh, I mean, I guess it's pretty appropriate that this rhetoric is kind of sounding like a conspiracy website. Because that's basically what the, in-universe, that's basically what the book is going to look like.
0: Yeah. They... Yeah, apparently, it anyone could see that it was an odd publication, but maybe it would become popular with some fans of pseudoscience.
1: Yeah, they're <laughs> practically publishing it for those people.
2: Yes, yeah, Swallowstone <laughs> is the time cube of this world. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, God. Um... They have like a website structured in the exact same way.
2: <laughs> Speaking of the name, I I tried to kind of look into it since it was obviously kind of weird. Apparently, Swallowstone is like in Japanese a kind of obscure term, but kind of similar to like false gold.
0: It's a reference to the legend of Kaguya too.
2: Okay, what's it doing there?
0: It was one of the things that she wanted her suitors oh. to obtain. Mm-hmm. It used to differ whether it was a cowrie shell or a Uh, stone from a swallow's nest. Yeah, so,
2: and then they brought back fake ones, right? Yes. Yeah, so that's, I guess, where the metaphor comes from, that a swallow stone is in the metaphor, I I tried looking it up online, it seems to be like something worthless being presented as valuable. Yeah. Which Mm -hmm. is an interesting thing to name your own book, but...
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, Perhaps that's how Mary wants to be seen, considering that apparently she's not supposed to be doing all of this boundary stuff, according to her family. Yeah.
2: Yeah, And then the there's a bit of translator's liberty, but I think it's a good decision that the naturalist historia is like referring to the classic work by Pliny. How's it se- how's it pronounced in English, anyway?
1: I have no idea. I've only ever seen it written. I've always just thought it's Pliny the Order.
0: I think it is Pliny, because nobody knows how to pronounce classical Latin, actually, anyway, so...
2: Yeah, but anyway, which is, of course, uh, a hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy written with a scientific understanding of a uh, classical Greek. <laughs> <laughs> or, I mean, a, a classical Roman, apparently, but still. That's an interesting name also <laughs> to pick for your book, but uh, pretty fitting.
1: The book is basically, like, a hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy of the weird stuff that they find in other worlds, which is a good name for it, even if it is somewhat unwieldy.
0: I think that everything in Toho has unusual names, though. Yeah, I yeah. guess. I mean, Zoon calls himself Team Shanghai Alice. It has a lot of meaning to it, but it's also very strange. Mm. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> which is how I think most Toho names are. They have a lot of meaning to them, and they make perfect sense in context, but they're also very strange. Mm. Yeah.
1: And sort of unraveling that context is where all the fun is. Yeah. So Mary spends a lot of time. She tells Rinko a story about a world that only some people can see. And it's the world of elementary particle physics. (laughs) And she uses that metaphor to kind of build her own theory of the worlds that she can see, which is just kind of everything is these like membranes of reality layered on top of each other. And sometimes stuff bleeds through from one to the other. That's how she is sort of trying to rationalize her own abilities and her visits to other worlds.
0: As long as you don't think of it in too much of a physics-like sense, she is sort of right. Yeah. I think the problem is she's thinking of it as an in a physics like sense.
1: Yeah, when it's mm. really more of a metaphorical thing. And she talks a lot about Gensokyo specifically. She makes a bunch of references to stuff that she has seen there, which appears in Toho, like the Shining Needle Castle.
0: She also talks about how the Sanzu River stops her from going to the Netherworld, which is funny enough. Yeah, surprise, you can't see your future girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs>
1: And she also talks about being attacked by yokai. Well, she's thinking about being attacked by yokai and she's wondering why that happens. As if it was like some sort of innate quality of the yokai. she speculating that it's just they're recognizing her as like a foreign contaminant and have to... In all of the speculation, she kind of, I think, reveals a little bit of her future Yukari-like side.
2: I've definitely seen people depict that one line. Which is written in a smaller font and everything. If contaminants get mixed in, they've got to be eliminated. I've definitely seen people depict it as like a bit of Yukari seeping in, whatever that means in their particular theory, but.
0: I think it does make sense. Yeah. I mean, it also is in a Yukari sort of the way it's phrased.
2: Yeah. And I mean, the sentiment kind of reminds me of the Horned Hermit chapter with the dandelions.
0: Yeah. It's not necessarily that Gensokyu doesn't accept everything, because Gensokyo does accept everything, but if the things that it accepts refuse to fall into fantasy, then it can easily destroy them. Yeah. yeah. Because, of course, if something refuses to fall into fantasy, it's definitely a threat to the fantasy itself
1: yeah I think the chapter involved in with the dandelions is not necessarily strictly related to this although it certainly is on some level and Yukari talks quite a bit about how important it is to um, you know not allow in sort of like biological contaminants that could become invasive species that's the word I was looking for.
2: I love how she mentions that she goes through like sterilization processes every time she goes in and out.
0: When chapter release because I think it was pretty contemporary to Dr. Latency's freak report.
1: I'm sure it was probably around the same time because then these lines would have been a lot more strongly linked, I think.
2: Yeah, but I have the mental image of her like uh, standing in a tent and Ron spraying her with this decontaminant spray or something.
0: (laughs) I think that she literally probably does something similar to that. (laughs) Yeah. I think it's funny that Yukari is so careful
1: about contaminants in Gensokyo.
0: Well, she probably doesn't want to fall into the trap of the outside world's environmentalism of her time. Hmm. Yeah.
1: And I think that points to like just a very funny side of Yukari. She's still got some of this sort of anxious, um, merry side to her.
0: Yukari is actually very anxious personality-wise, if you read the stuff that is just her monologuing. She just has... I wouldn't say it's exactly social anxiety, but it's anxiety about situations that are often social. I don't know.
2: Yeah. I think
1: she has anxiety about her own place in Gensokyo, which is funny because she's credited as its
2: creator <laughs> yeah, and also i think it's her knowledge about the outside world is usually from gensokyo's perspective they just assume that it's because she can gap in and out anytime but i think it definitely gets interesting in the context of her probably being Mary in some form that she's scientifically minded and makes these well not modern references in the sense of pop culture or anything but
0: references to the modern world
2: yeah basically and yeah, knows about sterilization procedures and all that.
0: Apparently, the chapter of Wild and Horned Hermit with the dandelions was exactly one month before Dr. Latency's speak <laughs> report.
2: Okay. Oh,
1: wow. Yeah, so I think that definitely points to an intentional connection there.
2: Yeah. Unsealed.
1: <laughs> Unsealed. <laughs> <laughs> we need, like, a sound effect. <laughs> <laughs> we need, like, the bomb sound effect. <laughs> Yeah, or like the sound that a boss makes when you defeat it and it explodes. <coughs> yeah, that oh. that's better. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Mary starts talking about the kind of monsters that she's been attacked by, and they're just you know yokai. Uh, well, no, they're not actually typical yokai. Renko asks her what kind of yokai were there. Right? Kappa, tengu, and Mary's like, oh, they were just like people looking. Like, they look like people. <laughs>
0: Although physical form has no meaning in Gensokyo anyway, which is mentioned in Symposium of Post-Mysticism, actually.
1: Yeah, this also reveals another Yukari side to her, basically, where she's thinking about the nature of, like, form and reality and meaning, basically, and how that's mm-hmm. conveyed. Um, so that, that's basically Dr. Lancy's freak report. They wrap it up with discussion about... Like let's write in a big climactic battle scene and um, <laughs> Mary's like, I thought this is supposed to be like a you know, historical record and Renko's like, It'll be fine. And
0: then she gets embarrassed over her pen name. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Renko is still a huge dork. <laughs> I'm really glad that Renko is such a huge dork even when she's idolizing Mary.
1: Yeah. Speaking of idolizing Mary, the album art for this one is really, really good because Renko's just kind of standing behind Mary and...
0: It's actually a reference to a picture of Lafcadio Hearn, well, Koizumi Yakumo at that time and his wife.
1: (laughs) Yeah, they're kind of in similar poses, although their roles are swapped, I guess, because mm-hmm. Mary is the one in the chair. Rinko's just kind of standing behind her and sort
0: of gazing at her. In,
2: <laughs> gazing.
1: Um, yes. Gazing. Gazing with a Y. They're lesbians. They're girlfriends.
0: When Mary is a reading comprehension exercise.
1: Yeah, it really is. A funny thing about the afterword in this one, Zoom kind of talks about call-out culture. <laughs> <laughs> and... He's like basically talking about, like, you know, lately you get people talking a lot about call out culture basically and saying that the world is stifling and you get punished for mistakes and so on.
0: Famous and ordinary people alike,
1: too. Yeah, and Zoom kind of says that he doesn't really think so himself, but he doesn't really elaborate on that. He's just kind of talking about the perception of call out culture as this big thing that hangs over everyone and being like, I don't really see that personally. He doesn't
0: really think so himself.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
2: but the one note mm-hmm. that he does make is is that, I mean, it's obviously um, because of social media as a thing,
1: that that
2: anyone can send out information,
1: yeah, he's making the case that it feels like everything is more stifling just because everyone is like so much more closely
0: connected. It's because everybody can produce information, basically. Yeah, everyone's super
1: closely connected and everyone can shoot information out there about anyone at any point. And so that's the reason that he sort of points to as creating a stifling atmosphere.
0: I could say that Lavander stole my soup and there's no way that you can disprove that, but <laughs> everybody can... <laughs> If everybody on the internet says that Lavander stole their soup, there's no way that Lavander can wipe that off the face of the earth.
2: <laughs> I'd be proud of having that like digital footprint of me stealing the whole but yeah, world it's too. Just
0: basically everybody can send out information about everyone, so it might seem like you have to be more wary nowadays, which I don't think is entirely wrong, but I think that it might actually be a good thing considering the fact that if you need to be wary, there's probably an explanation behind that.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's kind of...
0: Just be a normal person
1: and use your brain.
0: And false accusations are pretty generally easy to recognize as false. Yeah. And at least it's not 2015 anymore where people would actually take all accusations as true. Yeah.
2: Yeah. The fact that the, in cases big and small, just with individual people and everything, they end up being cases of like false accusations and all that. But then it's hard to put that in proportion with the phenomenon as a whole.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: And I mean, obviously, then it kind of gets into semantics and to what extent is the whole phenomenon a bad thing if it produces some occasional bad results and could those bad results be combated in some other way and blah, blah. We just started talking about coalt culture, didn't we? <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Zun. Thanks for the discourse fuel. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so that's Dr. Leincey's free report wrapped up. I wonder if we're in the Swallowstone Naturalis Historia. <laughs> <laughs>
0: But let's move on to Dateless Bar, Old Adam. The name is false because Rinko and Mary go on a date there.
1: <laughs> They're not really on a date. They're there for business, not pleasure, really. That's why it's
0: called Dateless Bar. I guess that's true. So it is a Dateless Bar.
2: It is a date in the sense of a agreed-upon meeting at a le- location.
0: Yeah. But it's not a gay date. Yeah. Well, it is a gay date, but it's not like specifically created for the purposes of being a gay date. Okay.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Glad <laughs> so, we cleared that up.
0: It's important. Renko
1: and Mary go to this bar that serves old style alcohol, which means like real booze. Because in this world, there's alcohol that basically new style liquor is commonly and widely drunk. You you don't get like super drunk from it. You just get kind of buzzed. It's non-addictive and it doesn't really like damage your liver or anything like that. Yeah, much like everything else in this world, it's just kind of it's it's synthetic alcohol.
2: And then soon goes on a bit of a ramble about rich hipsters.
1: Yeah, so old style liquor, you know, it's, it's booze. You drink it, you get drunk. You're all
0: familiar with alcohol, I'm
2: sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, please.
0: So the old Adam Bar. If you're not, I'm surprised you have been into Tomo for this long. Yeah,
1: <laughs> they're just drinking orange juice. <laughs> so, the old Adam Bar specifically deals in old style liquor. That's like its big draw. There's an interesting tangent where Zim talks about establishments that serve like the new style liquor are like people don't go there to like get wasted because they can't. So, they're very clean and sterile places basically. And then the old style liquor establishments are a lot dingier and.
0: It's like a rundown
1: pile. Yeah, and the people who go there tend to be a little less savory. At least that's the perception. So there's this sort of interesting inversion of ideology, as Zen puts it, where people with money, people who are like wealthy and comfortable and can afford it, tend to go to these just sort of run down bars to
0: drink themselves under the table.
2: Yeah, because the old style alcohol is more expensive.
0: Yeah. It's also more risky and your life is that comfortable. Of course, you want more risk.
1: Yeah. And so I think like this sort of paints this picture in this world where just sort of like working class people tend to just go to the new style liquor bars after work and get lightly buzzed and in a way that's sort of appropriate because that's really just kind of how they deal with their lot in life. And it's kind of, I guess, a statement on sort of gentrification in a way.
2: Yeah. Definitely with the hipster-like metaphor.
1: So, they go to this bar because there's a gathering happening of, presumably organized online, uh, where they're meeting up with a bunch of weirdos who claim to see other worlds and monsters and so on. Sort of, you know, similar experiences to Mary's, supposedly. And so they're investigating. The first person they run into is like this like bearded old guy who sort of doesn't claim to be Dr. Latency. But everyone just kind of assumes that he's Dr. Latency.
2: And he pointedly doesn't deny it.
1: Yeah, he very much doesn't deny it, which...
0: And he claims that it's his later too, with him saying, These are all from Swallowstone Naturalis Astoria. You're supposed to be telling your own stories here.
1: Yeah, he's kind of by omission pretending to be Dr. Latency. Yeah, exactly.
0: He's not claiming to be Dr.
1: Latency because obviously that would have consequences if he were caught lying or whatever. And he's not sure who Uh Dr. Latency is himself, but he's very much happy to play the role as long as people will let him.
2: And I mean, considering what kind of people they are, maybe they think that's amusing anyway. Yeah. It's part of the charm.
1: And so... (laughs) Yeah, so they join this gathering to talk about their experiences. I like that Renko and Mary get ciders at this bar because that's also my drink of choice at bars. I'm not a big fan of beer. Sorry, Zen. Although I do like Karen. So they get some ciders and they start drinking and they listen to people tell their stories. And the first one is this person who claims to have gone to Mount Miwa, which is famous for being a power spot, quote unquote which is, you know, some occultist speak. And recently, supposedly, the prefecture that it's in has been restricting climbing the mountain, and he's curious why, because they won't say. They claim to have snuck in in the middle of the night and discovered the reason why the mountain is closed, which is a massive, massive... A whole bunch of snakes. Yeah, just tons and tons and tons of snakes. Just billions of snakes, and probably pretty big ones, too. And he's kind of curious about what's going on, um, how could they be here, and...
0: What are they eating for there to be so many of
1: them there? Yeah, and so this person then sort of ties it to Nara Prefecture's lifespan regulations, which we forgot to mention, in this world, basically, medicine is so good that people don't really die that much, and there are sort of lifespan regulations. I think that was mentioned in... It was one I of these know. three,
2: definitely.
0: Yeah, it was one of these three. Probably traditionalism. Yeah.
2: That's my guess, too.
0: Anyway, feeding snakes to feeding old people snakes, not feeding snakes to old people. <laughs> yeah.
2: For some reason, that was always a hang-up for me in this story. I'm, the idea of... The idea, basically. I mean, the the fact that there are life ban regulations is obviously a given fact, but...
0: I doubt that it's actually real that they're feeding snakes to old people. Yeah, that...
2: Snakes that <laughs> to old people. <laughs> Shit! <laughs>
0: Later in the story,
1: Mary and Renko (laughs) confirm that this story is true. The story of the snakes on the mountain.
0: That the snakes are there, yes. They don't confirm the person's... Wild, absolutely off-the-shit speculation. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, basically, that's just that person kind of trying to link a weird thing about Nara's lifespan regulations to this weird thing that they found on the mountain and trying to sort of overinflate it. Make it spooky. I guess, which is a common theme with the people who share these stories. They kind of try to hype them up a little bit. And make them seem more mysterious. Which, I mean, like, you already found just a ton of snakes on a mountain. You don't need to make it more interesting.
0: <laughs> I feel like that's just the natural way of people, though. Yeah, definitely. People just love to Embellish. make themselves seem like they're the most of anything. Yeah. If they want to seem like that anything at all.
2: I mean, it's definitely a theme here.
0: Mm-hmm. With Dr. Latency air quotes. <laughs> yeah.
1: I'm not sure who which person shared this, but Doctor quote-unquote Dr. Quote Dr. Lindsay is the only person who was actually, like, sort of mentioned, but there's other people here. So it could have been anyone.
2: <laughs> could have been you, it could have been me.
1: <laughs> uh, yes. And so then the next person shares their story, which is, like... Starts off by talking about how, you know, a lot of mountain villages have been just kind of abandoned, the population's gone down, really painting, you know, a picture of the world that they live in, which I say a lot, but obviously, yeah. It says the principles of natural settlement separation are dominant. I don't really know what that means.
2: Yeah, I didn't really get anything either. From context, I get the impression that because the population has gone down, it's not practical to support like far-flung small villages anymore.
1: Okay, that makes sense, yeah, and sort of those people are on their own. Yeah, which is what's
0: currently actually happening
1: in Japan. Yeah, those people are basically on their own, and that rings true for all the other marginalization that happens in this world. Those settlements may as well not exist to the people who are living in the cities. And so the person's, like, talking about—they have a hobby of looking for villages, just, like, random villages in the mountains— and so they claim to have found a weird village with a hair cult, where they just they worship a mass of hair. Just yeah, that's it, really. <laughs> it's a hair cult, yeah. So <laughs> Renko and Mary are just like, is this a ghost story convention? They're kind of not impressed by these chumps. Well, Mary isn't, and Renko's like, oh, really? Well, you're going to be sharing your story soon, and so. There's a cute moment here where Mary thinks about the fact that she thinks that these people's stories are pretty ridiculous, and uh, they're trying to con people, and she's wondering why Renko believes her stories, and <laughs> she thinks, it must be because I'm such a good storyteller after all, and she gets a little... very thought bashfully. Yeah, she's very <laughs> bashful about it, which is cute. <laughs> they're gay. Rinko believes everybody's accounts. Yeah, and then it turns out Renko basically believes everyone's stories. <laughs> She's such a nerd. I love Renko so much. Yeah. Oh, by the
2: way, for some reason, since the hair cult story in itself is kind of doesn't say much about anything, that's the little world building bit at the start. But for some reason, my favorite part about it is that since all these stories are linked with a song on the CD, this hair cult story is linked with Pandemonic Planet, Hecatia's theme, which is a really weird connection. But I guess Hecatia is. Or Hecate. How do you say that in fucking English? Hecate <laughs> is Hecate is basically kind of the patron goddess of patron goddess, matron goddess.
0: It's patron goddess. It doesn't matter. Yeah. gender is a lie.
2: Anyway, patron goddess of a whole bunch of weird cults. So in that in that sense, I guess it makes sense.
0: Oh, that's an interesting connection. I like that. Hecatia says, you get a cult, you get a cult, you get a cult, and everybody gets a cult. Yeah,
2: I I don't think, like, weird cults are literally part of her portfolio, but she has all these weirdly specific aspects that people worship or worshipped. So, in that sense, patron goddess of weird cults.
1: Basically. That makes sense. Anyway. If anyone in Toho would be a patron goddess of weird cults, it would be Hecatia. But I guess a hair
2: cult kind of goes with her aesthetic.
1: Yeah, she does have some really funky hair colors. Yeah. So next up is Mary's turn. She starts talking about her experiences, which uh, are all detailed in Solstone Naturalis Historia. And so everyone's just kind of staring at her and there's this kind of like heavy atmosphere Presumably because most of these people are probably, like, weird old nerd dudes. They've all read the book, and so they're kind of staring at her like, is this a joke?
0: Are you deactivating my albums right now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so the guy
1: who vaguely implied to be Dr. Latency earlier just sort of puffs up and is like, you know, these are all from the Swallows to Historia. You're supposed to tell us about your own stories.
0: Zoom is impressive For giving a guy with about two lines a good reason for me to punch him. Yeah.
1: (laughs) You can really sort of see this guy's whole personality on display just from a few lines.
2: They didn't mention the hat, but it's there.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Okay, see? You say that, but my mental image of this man was literally just like a dude in a fedora. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) Like, (laughs) Like maybe like a tweed blazer or something just as pretentious as possible
0: i imagined him like dressing up as an old renaissance era chemist or something oh my god (laughs) With like that stupidly long beard yeah
1: oh god but yeah so the renko and mary just like have this moment where they look at each other and they're like oh no but then they're like oh sorry she was just testing everyone and we actually have a cool magic item that lets you see all the things from that book they just use Mary's ability to show people, like, the worlds that she sees, which she can do without... Through a
0: mirror, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, Mary. Which is very interesting because that's, I think, the first time that she's used her power without, like, physically touching someone's eyes to show them what she's seeing.
2: Yeah. Did we mention when she did that with Renko?
0: You no, know, it was from neo-traditionalism.
1: She, yeah. she shows Renko, like, the stuff that the rock shows her by putting her hand over her eyes. Cute. Gay Rice. What if you showed me other worlds from the past by touching me and we were both girls? (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so Mary shows them all of the stuff from the book, basically, and everyone remembers all the stuff that they read, and a bunch of them even start crying because they were so moved. So that was kind of the highlight of the night. The next little section rules because um, they slept together. (laughs) (laughs) They shared a bed, and they slept together, and they're hungover in the morning together. Hello, they're gay. Gay, right? (laughs) The song associated with this part of the story is called Hangover of Bedfellows Dreaming Differently.
2: Yeah, and it's not even... That's literally what it says in Japanese, too, so...
1: Yeah, they are gay. Mm -hmm. They got drunk and fell asleep together, and... This is sort of the morning after. They're hungover. They're kind of excited about. They felt like it was kind of a success because it was the highlight of the night, like Mary's mirror trip, and they were like, "Mary is cool." Yeah they're talking about, they're sort of, like, tallying up the stories from the previous night, and they're like, yeah, about half of those are just kind of made up. So Renko's like, yeah, it did go really well, though, and my plan to have you show each of them the other side of the barrier through the mirror, and at the same time make contact with them to figure out if they had really been to another world. That plan went really well. Usually it's Renko who's having gay thoughts about Mary, who's just kind of in awe of her, but in this one it's Mary who is Impressed with how quickly Renko had come up with that, and she says, yes, Renko truly was intelligent and a quick thinker.
0: Renko's a nerd. Renko's a big nerd, and (laughs) Mary likes that. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Um, Smart girls are cool.
1: Yeah, and then they confirmed that the stories about the snakes and the hair cold village were true, because they were told so badly that they couldn't possibly be lies. (laughs) Stories were not finely crafted.
2: Unless they were so finely crafted that they actually took that into account. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> um, but they yeah. realized that there was going to be a psychic girl coming to the bar who would prove everybody's false stories false. Yeah, <laughs> that's how they lied around it.
2: You gotta count for that. <laughs>
1: You can never be sure. Rinko's like, well, it's decided. We're going to Mount Miwa to check out those snakes. And Mary's like, no. And that's how the story ends.
0: (laughs) I'm hungover. No. You can take me to visit snakes some other day. Yeah. I Um, like how she doesn't refuse based on the enormous amount of snakes. She just refuses based on... No, I'm hungover.
1: Yeah. So the afterword for this one is also quite nice. I like it a lot. It's Zun sort of talking about the concept of uh, chuny, or chunibyo, which is, you know, just like the middle schoolers being edgy.
0: <laughs> that's a really good way of saying it, but I've never said it like that before.
2: <laughs> yeah, I guess that's a pretty modern way of putting it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, middle
1: is being edgy and, like, claiming to have powers or whatever. And Zun talks about how, you know, like, it's generally a thing that's kind of looked down upon, right? But Zun talks about how it's kind of an explosion of imagination, and it's a person just sort of... He says that the true nature of his adolescent posturing is the heat of life, just like a person who's sort of...
0: It's resistance against an uncreative society. Yeah. I'm sorry, I'm just getting distracted by the last line he says being, Pokemon Go is starting service. Yeah, <laughs> what a throwback.
2: Wait or date yourself, cheese. <laughs> actually,
1: so many people still play Pokemon Go. It's very surprising to me how many people at work play it. I guess it's updated a whole lot and it's got a ton of new content, so...
0: It's actually interesting now. Yeah. It wasn't very good.
2: I got a really long sales pitch from a friend of mine a while ago.
0: Oh my god. It wasn't really good on release, but it's okay now. Yeah,
1: so this one kind of caps off this pontificating about the nature of Chunibyo. So he talks about how it's not really like the edginess that's the core aspect of it. It's just a young person just kind of exploding with imagination and that clashing against a society that kind of expects conformity and discourages imagination and creativity. Yeah. He caps this off by thinking, how can I maintain that eighth grade attitude until the day I die? And if I do that, I can enjoy sake for my whole life. Basically saying, you know, if I can maintain that sort of attitude forever, then I can I'll never stop enjoying what I do.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What he does just happens to be drink a lot of sake. Yeah.
1: He's sort of talking about more than just sake
0: and Oh yes, it's definitely a metaphorical Yeah, like
1: sort of referring to the process of
0: If I can do that, I can enjoy the things I love for my entire life. Yeah, and
1: I think in this context it's mostly making Toho.
2: Yeah, and if you think about it, isn't Pokemon Go and its popularity with like adults a great example of Juniper culture and how the actual heart of it really lives on in people beyond middle school? That's
0: true. Yeah, it's a nice... I think the people it's most popular with are kind of an expression of Shunibio, And that's, of course, not a bad thing, yeah. as we've just been talking about for the past five minutes. But, yeah, I feel like it is. Yeah. yeah. I
2: didn't really make the connection earlier. Like, why is he mentioning Pokemon Go?
0: I think he's just excited about it. He mentions, yeah, they're vaguely related things. But he just says, like, in Dr. Latency's freak report, really enjoyable things can't be found with Google. Yeah.
2: Yeah, but, I mean, that's also a lo- really... Directly connected, if you think about it, since he's talking about...
0: And then in, in Neo-Traditionalism of Japan, he says... I want to eat Togakure soba. <laughs> yeah, okay, fair. <laughs> Sometimes they're related. Sometimes they're Zun simply expressing himself.
2: I mean, Togakurei was mentioned in the text, so that's the point there. But
0: Oh yes, they're just basically vaguely related things yeah. that yeah. are about Zun. Like, he always puts vaguely related quips in the credits of his games too.
2: Yeah, I think it's nice. Yeah. It is. It personifies him. Yeah, I mean, I doubt anyone's gonna argue. Like, no, I hate it. He should stop doing it. <laughs> he looks stupid.
0: No, um, it makes me mad. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I do like that. Also, in the afterward, he says, "Dayles borrowed Adams is kind of a companion piece to Doctor Lancy's Freak Report." It's a Doctor Lancy's Freak Report is sort of like the the front side, and
0: no, it's the back side. Oh yeah, Naturalis Historia is the front side, and then Daedalus Borrowed Adam is the back side. And then he said, because it's the back side, I included many songs that are difficult to enjoy musically. Well, that didn't work out that well soon.
1: Yeah, every song on here is a banger. <laughs> I really love this album, just like musically speaking. Yeah, that's Daedalus Barreled Adam, and that's all the CDs up till now. We're yeah. due for another one pretty soon, I think, right? I hope.
0: Yeah. A lot more Red Mary content. Pretty soon. We do for one pretty soon. The next one will probably be winter comicette or summer comicette of next year. Yeah, if he feels like not taking a hiatus. But yeah, we're on time. We are pretty close to reaching. The mark of where we should probably wrap things up.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, is there anything else on the menu today for stuff you wanted to talk about?
0: I wanted to talk about what Renko and Mary's world was like, but that's probably a whole big discussion. Also, we discussed a lot of that in our CD talk too. Considering these last three CDs are very much about world building. Yeah. yeah.
2: We didn't actually put much mm-hmm. emphasis on the music, for instance, but. In the end, how well are we going to discuss the music in this format?
0: I can't exactly blare Hangover of Bedfellows dreaming differently in here, even though I would love to, Hmm. considering it's one of my favorite Toho CD songs.
1: It's so good. If you want to wrap it up here, then we can do that and then start planning for the next episode where we talk about how we live in a society.
0: Yeah, exactly. We don't have any, like, mailbag questions besides that one that's impossible to fit into a mailbag segment, right?
1: Yeah, the one about how I don't know that we want to necessarily do mailbag questions
0: on, on ceiling Club episodes.
2: We don't really have a precedent yet.
0: Yeah, we... Don't really have a lot of time to do the mailbag because those tend to spill over into like half an hour. <laughs> yeah. Um, so
2: if we're not doing mailbag questions, then we should probably, since a lot of this Wait. conversation mm-hmm. is gonna get edited out, probably we should probably. Mm-hmm. we should mention it in a like includable form that we're not doing mailbag questions mm-hmm. in episode
1: yeah um i'm I'm sure jt can piece something together from what we just said but yeah
0: (coughs) yeah exactly unsealed so we should probably just wish our wonderful listeners goodbye yeah you want to take us out sure so i'm sure that we have many more things to talk about in regards to the he who's But, unfortunately, time always plods on, so we will see you all next week on Outside World Occultism.
1: Yes, and next month on another episode of The Unsealing Club.
0: Correct. I've been your host, Ni, and we will see you. Bye. Bye.
2: Bye. Bye.